Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Helen. And I'm Sarah. And this is the Squiggly Careers podcast, a weekly conversation between us about careers, no surprise there, but where we cover the topics that all of us are navigating at work and share as many practical ideas for action as we can to give us all a bit more control with how we respond to some of those challenges and also how we can support other people with them too. And every one of our episodes comes with a pod sheet and you can download it and it summarizes some of the ideas that we talk about, some quotes. If you like a quote like me, there's always a quote in a pod sheet and it's got some coach yourself questions as well that you can reflect on. We know lots of people use pod sheets in their team meetings as well to help them talk through some of the things that we talked about. And maybe you don't have a team and you wanna be part of one. We have a collective of like-minded learners that come together every Thursday at nine o'clock for a 30 minute deep dive into whatever topic we've been talking about. It is free, it is on Zoom and all the links for Pod Plus, for Pod Sheets and for whatever else we create is going to be in the show notes for today's episode. And if you ever can't find that, because it's a bit different sometimes depending where you're listening to the podcast, just email us. We're Helen and Sarah at squigglycareers.com. And today we are going to talk about how to know whether to stay or switch your job. We know this is a topic that lots of people are interested in. We recently posted a matrix that we are going to bring to life a little bit on this podcast as well, but it definitely got a lot of people thinking and commenting about this issue of whether I should stay or whether I should switch and how I can make that decision. And I guess within squiggly careers, there's no surprise that those choices probably happen more frequently than they did before. And whether that is sort of squiggling and staying within an organisation, so that's still switching, or whether that's staying in your current role and seeing that as an opportunity to progress and grow. I think it's one of those classic career conundrums, one of those dilemmas that we all have those moments where we're trying to figure out what is the right decision. And, you know, we sort of write in inverted commas. And often it's one of those things we end up chatting to our friends or our work colleagues about when we're sort of going through that process of figuring out you know, what choice to make, what feels right for you. And it's really interesting when you look at some research about how people feel about switching roles, there's there's almost this idea of sometimes we rush into switching and then we regret it. And a study by The Muse found that three quarters of people that they asked who'd gone into a new role or a new company found that the job they'd gone into was different from what they thought it was going to be. And I guess that difference ends up leaving people feeling quite disappointed. That number sounded very high to me. And I was thinking about 
does that reflect my own experiences? And I would say not. I don't know about you, Helen, but I was thinking about the different switches I've made in in organizations and out of organizations I wouldn't say that 75% of those I feel like a lot of people do a good sales job on you you know both in the job description when they I mean they don't go oh and these are some of the bad bits of the job do they don't do that they go I do I do when people talk to us about amazing if someone in our team said that she thought I did a brilliant job of trying to put her off (laughs) (laughs) that's actually what she said to me she was like I feel like you're really trying and I was like I'm not trying to put you off but I am trying to be really realistic about what it's like to work in a small and fast-growing company but I don't think that's been my reality in most roles that I've gone to I think they've gone but it's felt like a sales job it's felt like a job that picks out the things that you'll do in an ideal day rather than (laughs) a a real day ideal versus real day I don't think that that's always been the case and I think that in an interview people talk about what you enjoy and how you will develop but they don't talk about oh and these things are often very frustrating and these things are often the biggest challenges you might ask some of those questions but I feel a primary role in interviews and job descriptions is to sell you it and sell it in its best light and I'm not saying that's right but I think that's probably more reflective of my experience I haven't had many conversations like the one I know that you had then um, where (laughs) someone said let me tell you 10 things that make this job so hard you might not want to do it I don't think I've had that (laughs) maybe that's something we could all think a little bit about it's sort of bias beware isn't it when you were describing yeah. that I was like just it's really hard though and we're going to talk a bit today about kind of how do you see behind the curtain if that is what happens in lots of people's experiences that they're sort of being sold the kind of best version like almost like how do you see the accurate version which is, is interesting and often I think when we are thinking about switching or staying we do all get attracted and I know this has happened to both Helen and I by what we sometimes describe as shiny objects. And I think these shiny objects can cloud our clarity. Because they're shiny and we're a bit like magpies, we sort of almost forget, I think, some things that we know are true about ourselves, about what motivates us, maybe what's important to us. And we sort of think, ooh, that sounds interesting. Or, you know, that job title sounds amazing. Or that company is a company that I really admire. And then we sort of miss the detail or maybe the ins and the outs because we've sort of become quite almost distracted by just how shiny something is <laughs> what do you think are some of the oh, like, one on. or two shiniest objects that have influenced your career decision like clouded a bit of clarity basically um well that's that's a really good question brands probably like brands that though to be fair I don't think any of those brands ended up employing me (laughs) so I say that I was definitely attracted to in my mind what were shiny brands but I don't think the brands that I worked for were super shiny you know I worked in financial services which I think very few people would describe as glamorous I don't don't know though then I worked for Sainsbury's but I was very interested in food and and sort of that didn't feel like a, a shiny object to me I don't know if this counts see what you think I wonder if sometimes managers and leaders could be shiny objects. So I have definitely chosen jobs because of who I was going to be working for. Now, it feels a bit harsh to kind of call those people a shiny object, but I've also had the experience of those people leaving or changing very quickly after going to work for them. Because of course, you know, they're entitled to do that. They don't come with your job. And I think I forgot that some of the time. And that has actually happened to me multiple times where I have based my decision on something I can't control which is the person I'm going to be working for 
What do you think? Does that count as a shiny object? Yeah, I think people definitely count as shiny objects and brands. I think they're both both relevant. What about you then? Now you made me. Now you made me do that. <laughs> mine are like well, one of mine's literally more shiny. Like I've definitely made money. Well, well no, no. I was thinking, I was thinking like coins, shiny no. coins, <laughs> shiny car. Definitely a shiny. I was like, oh, it comes with a car, and like for context, I think I was probably still driving my granddad's like Nissan Micro. Oh at the god, time. I remember I like, that orange Micro you had. Oh. It wasn't orange. It was gold, and it was called the Golden Bullet. Let's be clear, oh, okay. it was gold. <laughs> gold. Sorry, sure. <laughs> and it went very slowly, but you know, <laughs> not until not but, when she got the shiny car. <laughs> not when she got a shiny car, like the car, like a brand new. And I remember I got to picking gunmetal grey. That was a dream. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely informed my career decision making at one point in my career. And then the other one, I remember, like I really wanted to go and work for Virgin, but I was sort of ooing and ahhing because I had a job with BP that, and I was travelling a lot, and I loved the travel that I was doing at BP. So I was ooing and ahhing about Virgin, and I remember I went to the office. And it turned out not to be the office I was going to work for in the end. So I went to this office and in the reception, they had a giant sweet shoot like, that went like, that went from like high on the next floor, like it was at the next floor and it went down like a big, big shoot down to reception. And it was like basically full of Haribo. And I remember looking at them like this it's just going to be the coolest place ever to work. I mean, it, it was <laughs> sweets had nothing to do with my job, and I never got to work in that office. Or also, you eat don't eat sweets. many sweets. Like you're not. Well, I think who I was then. I think I was a bit more of a you know a, a Haribo fan in those days, and then sort of moved on from Haribo. But yeah, I think just being in that office environment, I guess that was the shiny object. I think I was so attracted by both the brand and the same as you, but that office environment and being like, wow, this place is just cool, and it's not like any place I have ever worked in before and to the point of clouding my clarity I think that place was so appealing that they could have told me some bad things about the job and I might be like oh well but there's a sweet don't worry so. <laughs> it could be a really bad day but I'd still get my sweet on the way I did out. enjoy my job there though so I, I still took the job and it was still really really good but it was it was quite an influencing environment I would say And then the last thing we want to talk about, just for a little bit of context before we dive into our ideas for action, is just the difference between applying and exploring for jobs and possibilities. So it can be easy, I think, for us all to be quite passive and reactive. And we're almost sort of waiting for roles to come our way before we decide whether we're going to switch or stay. So almost there's because there is a job on the horizon that you see that you could apply for there's sort of something in front of you it prompts the re-evaluation or just evaluation of well should I stay or should I go and our argument I think would be that that's not necessarily the right time to be asking that question for the first time because you might be under pressure to make a decision quite quickly often in those moments we're sort of it's really easy then to kind of get carried away by applying for something different And I think you have a very different mindset, a more kind of curious mindset, if you're being more proactive, if you're sort of creating opportunities and possibilities and being really curious about exploring those, then when those sort of decision points do come your way, it's sort of not a surprise and you're ready for it and you've increased your awareness. So by the time you get to that point, it doesn't feel like a panicked reaction. It feels like a proactive I've already got a sense of what I might do and where I might go. I'm not thinking about this for the first time in the here and now of a switch or stay immediate decision. 
I think as well, there's a different energy in applying for a brand new shiny job that's yeah. all there in front of you. Like the job descriptions, it's all there in front of you. They've made it easy. They've even got a process that you apply for it through. There's a different energy in that and, and sort of an ease, I think, versus exploring your opportunities, reaching out to people that you might not know very well and talking to people, maybe shaping the role around you and your skills. That sometimes I think is harder. It takes confidence. It takes clarity about what you want to do. And so, yeah, I think sometimes the energy of applying and the excitement of applying sort of makes that seem like the easier option. But to your point, you can have more risk because if you're applying and it feels exciting, you might not have thought it through properly. Whereas at least when you explore and you find different roles that you might not know about or even roles get sort of evolved around you and your strengths, then it's more likely to be a better fit for you. It just might not feel such an exciting, shiny process along the way. Yeah, and I was reflecting when we were preparing this podcast about my most successful stays and my most successful switches and they have always been quite long processes so they have rarely been in a very sort of straightforward binary way see a job apply for a job get that job I I sort of was reflecting back and thinking that didn't ever seem to quite work out for me and maybe that was because I didn't know it at the time but I was already squiggly it's just sort of in me it's in my DNA but I always found that the couple of times where I did do that where it felt more cold you know in terms of just like you're reacting kind of more like a cold call opportunity and you're just applying for something and you either get it or you don't. Those were actually some of the times where perhaps I didn't make such a good decision. But when I was sort of exploring it over time and almost kind of leading up to that ultimate applying, I felt like I was pulling the right possibilities to me rather than sort of pushing myself on something. Mm -hmm. And also when I did push myself on a few things, actually often then either didn't work out in those jobs or I didn't get them anyway. And so that sort of process of can you pull the right things your way by doing some of the things that we're going to talk about I think has definitely worked for me but I do recognize it does take more energy and effort but I think it's worth it in terms of then your day-to-day reality of the work that you'll be doing. So we've got three ideas for action now, which are all designed to help you reflect on whether you should switch or whether you should stay. And the first one is a matrix. Hooray, I squeezed a matrix in. (laughs) I was prepping for this and I I was like, I put the matrix first because I was like, oh, Sarah won't get rid of it then. So yeah, this, (laughs) this matrix is called the Love Learn Matrix. And it's based on understanding whether switching or staying is really based on Are you loving what you're doing and are you learning a lot? Because actually, if where you are at the moment, you love the work that you do, maybe you love the organisation you do it for. You know, Sarah talked about Sainsbury's, she was really passionate about the product. So it's sort of a lot of love for that brand and what they did. And if you love it and you're learning then that actually is like a stay where you are. Like that, that is a hard thing to achieve. So honestly, if you're in a place where you can see lots of opportunity to learn and you love where you are and you still want to progress, but that's really where we say, you know, squiggle and stay, find different opportunities. That is definitely priority, explore. Go find out more about different departments, the skills that they need. Think about whether what you want to be known for is what they need build your relationships like that is where you want to invest your effort and energy because actually getting somewhere that you love and a place that you'll learn is helpful for you in your future but it's not that easy to find so don't go away from that too quickly I have had times where I've sort of loved maybe the organization as you've described felt like I was learning a lot and almost didn't feel in a position to 
squiggle and stay as in didn't feel in a position to necessarily go to a, a new role whether that was sideways or promotion and I do think there is something and I've had this advice a couple of times and it has served me really well where my temptation was to switch and a few people said to me stick it out and the reason they said stick with it was because they could see that I did love the organization and I loved some of the people I was working with and I did feel like I was learning a lot but there was maybe something that wasn't quite right so for example I described that you know maybe it was a manager leaving maybe there was something yeah restructures happening around roles all that kind of stuff that is outside of your control so I couldn't have squiggled and stayed in those moments but I could stick with it and I've actually found that that was a moment where I was very tempted a couple of times in a couple of different organizations to switch and I'm so, so glad mm. that I stu- I basically stuck it out for a bit and found found work to keep me interested, almost set some time limits. So I was like, well, I'm not sticking with this forever. But I felt like there was enough to keep me. And I did sometimes need someone else's perspective to just help me realize that. And then actually, I felt really good about making that choice. I sort of knew there were some maybe very short term compromises, but sort of sticking with it. Um, it actually did serve me really well, especially when I sort of had a slightly natural tendency, I think, to maybe think, oh, I'm going to squiggle and switch in a new direction. Well, I think that's where I am now. Like, I love what I do and I'm learning a lot. <laughs> Are you about but to some... tell me you're like sticking with it in our, in our company? <laughs> no, Are you joking? What I mean, what I mean <laughs> by is when I have a value of achievement and I could, I could think, oh, well, oh, you know, you could see other opportunities. I'm not doing this, by the way, but let's imagine you can look at other people's careers and you compare and you think, oh, should I be doing this? Or, you know, should I be progressing in a different way? But actually, I think it's just that realisation that if you're loving where you're working and if you're learning a lot, then yeah, like stick it out even when something might not be quite clicking at the moment because it's likely to get better or look at ways that you can squiggle because that I just think that is a very strong place to be. And there, I... I haven't worked in that many places where both of those things have been true. And so sort of recognise it if that's true for you. So the next bit, imagine a slightly different scenario. So you love where you're working. Maybe you love the brand, maybe you like the people you're working with, but you don't feel like you're learning. So this situation is maybe where you feel a bit stagnating and you're like, oh, should I compromise on working for an organisation that I really enjoy where I'm at to go somewhere else? Now, before you switch The thing here to do is stretch. So one of the ways that you can learn a lot more in an organization that you love is try to use your strengths in different ways. So stretch your strengths. And that might be, well, how could I use what I want to be known for on a different project? Or how can I use what I want to be known for on another initiative that's outside of my department. If you can stretch your strengths, that will help you to be more engaged in your work. You will perhaps learn more from other people. You'll learn more from the different projects that you're working on. And you'll have the energy to do it because you're enjoying where you are. The risk here is you don't want to stagnate. So stay where you are, create some challenge for yourself, and that will increase your learning. And one of the go-to ways to do it is to stretch your strengths. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So now let's imagine that you are learning a lot but you don't really love where you are. I have definitely, definitely been here. I've definitely worked for a business where I was like, oh, I'm not really liking this company that much, the culture, I'm not sure it's quite right. But I also recognise that this is a situation where I'm doing a job I've never done before and I'm learning a lot in the process. And it's quite a conflicting experience uh, when I reflect on it for me, because you know that learning's great, but then every day is not really making that happy. Mm. And now the situation here is to connect with some things that can make you happy. And so two things that are worth you just thinking about for a little bit before perhaps you think, I just need to leave this organisation and find somewhere else, because there is a lot of value in working in learning organisations. So to try and connect with things that might make you happy, first of all, people. People are a big part of what will make us happier at work. So maybe first of all, try and find either an individual that could be a good peer for you to learn with or a mentor that you might connect with that you could learn from or perhaps even a community a community within the organization might be outside of your kind of immediate role but if you can find that sense of connection those sort of bonds and belonging it can often create a bit more of that happiness that you might feel like you're missing at the moment and then the other thing is purpose if you can find like the why behind your work, like I'm I'm working here so that I can learn more about how to make work happen in a hierarchical organisation or I'm working here so that I can become a better manager because the diversity of the people that I'm managing is going to help me develop more in the future. Like whatever it is, even if it feels hard, if you can think about well, what's the why behind my work, again, it can help you to just find a bit more loving what you're doing that might not be there automatically for you. And then the last part of the matrix is where you're not learning and you're not loving what you're doing. And this really is the absolute switch mode. And I would say this is the switch out of the organization point here, because what are you staying for? And maybe you're staying for stability. So I'm not saying leap. I am saying look to leave like you don't want to go from what's that saying like the fine fine pan into the fire you don't want to <laughs> just jump into something else but I think this is we'll think a bit more about what else you could do where else you could do it because if you're not loving it and you're not learning you've got a question well why am I staying here and for how long am I willing to compromise myself for this company and so I think that really helps to give you a bit of a framework for 
questioning kind of where are you today and then what that might mean. The one thing I would caution against with any matrix, as much as we all love a matrix, well, as much as Helen loves a matrix, (laughs) is don't look to a matrix to give you a right answer. So just because we have said today, oh, you know, if you love your organization, but don't feel like you're learning, you should be stretching your strengths and creating challenge. Hopefully that is pretty good advice. But I think don't look for an aha moment. You can only ever make the best decision that feels right for you with the information you have at that time. And I think sometimes, and I have seen this a few times from people I've mentored or just talked to about career decisions, you know, we keep digging to try and make the best decision. So we keep trying to find more information or ask lots of questions and we sort of end up going around in circles because we sort of feel like at some point the right answer will present itself to us. And I think so often these kind of decisions about switching or staying, there isn't a clean cut binary. Oh, if I put these things in a spreadsheet and it will give me the formula to tell me what the answer is. So of course, this also includes your judgment and how you feel. But we do think you can increase the amount of useful information that you have by thinking about our next idea for action. And this really talks about this idea of exploring. So when you're in that position to make these decisions, you've done some of the hard work already. And we're calling this idea for action, doing a bit of a squiggly career safari. So basically being a bit of an explorer when it comes to your career. So two actions that can help you to do that, to do this squiggly career safari. So the first one we describe as job scanning. And this is taking a look around, not with the intention of applying for roles, but just to see what's available. What's available internally, what's available externally, what kind of skills do they need? What sort of opportunities do they talk about? What sort of piques your interest? And when you're looking at all of those different roles, try and notice any trends or themes that they have in common. And we would really encourage you to do quite wide job scanning. It's called sort of scanning for a reason. So don't feel like you have to limit yourself to your area of expertise today or the industry that you're in right now. Just have a look for anything that feels intriguing and interesting and almost look at those job specs. And again, we're not trying to apply for those jobs. We're just seeing what we can learn from those jobs about why are they interesting for us. It's a great exercise to do with like, you know, you're circling things, you're underlining, you're highlighting. And I think every time I've done this exercise, and I've done it probably for at least, I've done it a few, probably five or six times over the last 10 or 12 years. One of the things that I always see every time I do job scanning is ideas. It doesn't, it, it's actually not careers. You might be like, oh, is it careers or career development or is it learning? And it's not, it's always ideas. It's always innovation. It's always doing new stuff and starting from scratch. And I did this exercise again recently because I was doing a workshop where I was talking about job scanning as part of the workshop. So I did, went onto LinkedIn, sort of had some fun, just finding Mm. kind of fake jobs that I'm never going to apply for. Though some of them, I was like, oh, this sounds fascinating. And again, it's so interesting that that just hasn't changed. You know, one of the jobs I think was called founder in residence so I was like oh what does that mean and it there was loads of words in that job spec like prototyping new concepts I could never have done that job and never applied for that job but that's not the point the point of that is just of that exercise of doing scanning is just to be really interested about all of the jobs that are out there 
it starts to give you, I think, a bit of confidence about how you might transfer your talents into different places and spaces. And it does just give you this sense of, oh, what's out there? Because I think how often do we really take the time to do this in a really speculative way? We're sort of speculating and just scanning and actually just, I think it's maybe fun is a step too far, but I certainly think it's, um, if you quite like being nosy and just quite interested in lots of different things, it is quite a fun activity to do. I think job scanning as well, it can help you see what are the things that I'm interested in and how far is that away from me today? Mm -hmm. Because if it's really, really far, then maybe a switch move is the right thing for you to do. But perhaps if it's not that far, then maybe you could stay, but you can evolve the role that you're doing. Maybe there's ways that you can weave that in a bit more to what you're doing today. You might not have to switch to get some of that stuff. So I think it helps you as well. Just think about some of those decisions, depending on what insights and sort of what appeals to you when you go through those different job descriptions. And then the second thing to do as part of your squiggly career safari is start talking to people. And this is where curious career conversations really come into their own. This is our opportunity to get a window into other people's worlds and hopefully the reality of people's roles. So as we talked about at the start of today, there is a bit of a gap, I think, between probably jobs that get advertised and then what happens day to day. And so a good way to sort of get below the surface of what you might have seen in job scanning is to go and speak to people, but in a very sort of low pressure, informal way. And in my experience, people are really flattered if you go and talk to them about the jobs that they do, because it shows that you are interested. You're not sort of saying, I want your job. It feels really far away from that. It's much more about saying, oh, can you like just give me a bit of a sense of what does an average week look like for you? You know, what do you spend your time doing? Like, what do you find really annoying or really frustrating? <laughs> I think you can ask those kinds of conversations when you're in this sort of, it's not about, they're not trying to sell you their job. They're just sort of saying, have you thought about this? And let me tell you about what I really enjoy, but also the frustrations that just come with the day-to-day reality of being in this industry or this area of expertise. And they'll give you some insights as to skills that might be useful, gaps that you might have got that you think, oh, that's that's really interesting. I can go away and do something with that now. And there is also no expectation that after those conversations that you're then going to apply for a job in that area. It's then very much up to you what you do with those insights that you've gleaned. And I've definitely had curious career conversations on certain roles and opportunities where I've had a you know two, three, four conversations. And almost the more I've learned, the less I have wanted to switch mm. into that area. And that I think is a really good use of time because those connections are never wasted. They're just new people who are part of your career community that's helped you to learn a bit about an area. And then you never know what opportunities might come your way as a result of creating those connections. Because often I have had those conversations, have sort of thought in my own mind, "Mm, I'm sort of, I'm opting out of this as something that might feel right for me. Oh, but then a different project or a different role comes up in that team. And suddenly I've got some pre-existing connections who I can go back to. And you can keep those relationships alive, again, in a sort of very, you know, informal way, where you sort of just stay in touch. And it usually just helps you within your organisation or your networks to sort of know a few people that are kind of beyond your day job. This is what um, Margaret Heffernan describes as building relationships beyond the ones that we need right now. And I think we've deprioritised this a lot over the last couple of years, 
very understandably. And probably just reconnecting with these kind of conversations feels important for all of us. So we've done a bit of reflection because we thought about do we love it? Are we learning? And then we've done a little bit of exploration. We've talked to some people. We've done a bit of job scanning. Now we really want to get into like making a decision. What is going to be right for me right now? And I think that what's right for me right now is an important point because we want to kind of meet you where you are at the moment. And this is a decision that might be right for you today and you might make a different one in the future and and that's fine we're not trying to fix your future too much but to help you with your decision making right now we want you to do a bit of squiggly career scenario planning sort of play around with the reality a bit and see if that can help you with your decision making so we want you to fast forward 12 months on from where you are today and we want you to do three scenarios your best case sort of mid-range case, sort of average, and then worst case scenario for the job that you could stay in and the job that you could switch to. We've got three different questions and we want you to go, what would the best case, mid case and kind of worst case be for these things in 12 months time? So first of all, think about the job that you could stay in. So the scenarios are, what's the best mid and worst case about what you're working on? Then what's the best, mid and worst case about who you're working with? And the third question to ask yourself is what's the best, mid and worst case about what you will have achieved? So in 12 months time, and you're going to collect all those insights. And then you're going to ask exactly the same questions of the opportunity or perhaps opportunities, if you're looking at more than one, that you could switch to. So best mid worst about what you're working on in that role in 12 months time and obviously that would be your best guess because you might not know because you're not doing it yet but best guess same in terms of who you're working with and the same in terms of what you would have achieved in that role in 12 months time what you really want to do here is compare the responses and just see whether that creates any clarity that can help you to make the decision that feels right right now Also, what I really like about that exercise is we're sort of zooming out to zoom in. So Mm -hmm. often when you feel a lot of pressure to make a decision about switching or staying, we're very present focused because it feels very immediate. And so actually what scenario planning forces you to do is do some imagining and to get you out of any shiny objects that might be getting in your way, any of that kind of immediate stuff that might feel a bit overwhelming And I think it's just, it's quite a refreshing exercise to do, to just give you the perspective that you need for the present. So almost by doing some of that kind of future thinking, I think it improves the quality of your decision making in the here and now. And having talked to a few friends about this and and going through this sort of process actually very recently, as soon as you talk to people about these kind of questions, I see people get to clarity actually quite quickly because they start to realise that maybe you realise that the worst case scenario is absolutely acceptable is fine and hopefully it's only going to be better than that and that really helps to make your decision on staying or switching or perhaps you realize even the best case scenario isn't actually that appealing for either of those scenarios and you go okay and that just really helps you so almost by creating these scenarios I think you you create clarity for yourself. So what we'll do with the matrix and then the squiggly career safari and then those questions that we just asked is we'll summarise them all on the pod sheet for you. So if you want to work this through or maybe you've got a friend who you know because <laughs> they're probably asking you for advice is trying to work this through for themselves, point them in the direction of the pod sheet and they can just get that little bit more data to help them make that decision. 
And we just wanted to finish. Well, I say we. I just wanted to finish. Where are we? <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I'd like to share this, Helen, at the end of the podcast. I've had three pieces of advice across my career that have really helped me make decisions when I'm thinking about switching versus staying. So I just wanted to share them in case it feels relevant or useful for anyone listening. The first one is to do with switching. So when I was considering switching, and I I thought I wanted to, but I wasn't sure, a sort of informal mentor just said to me in a very short and concise way, don't forget, Sarah, your next job is not your last job. And he was sort of saying to me, well, if you switch and it doesn't work out, essentially, you're going to be working for a really long time. It'll probably be fine. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, you're probably right. And then for balance in terms of staying, and I've talked about this before because it's one of my favorite bits of career advice. I once heard Nicola Mendelssohn say, never live the same year twice. You can do the same job two years in a row, but that job doesn't have to stay the same. And that nuance just always really connected with me because I think I was quite attracted to newness. I think because I like newness generally. And it was that point about you can absolutely stay in the same job for two, three, four, five years. But those jobs now always unlearning and relearning and changing. So I found that really helpful. And then some very liberating advice, which again is also very direct. I seem to have had some very direct mentors (laughs) who I was once talking to someone about this exact thing you know, should I switch? Should I stay? You know, really making it into like a massive deal. This is a life-changing decision, which it absolutely wasn't, but it felt like that at the time. And she just said to me, ultimately, Sarah, it doesn't matter what decision you make because you'll be the person that makes this work. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) But in in lots of ways, that was really what I needed in that moment because her point was, and she was actually being incredibly supportive. She was like, well, you're the one that makes the difference. So if you stay you'll be the person who will make that brilliant and will work hard and you'll care and commit and be committed. And if you switch and do something different, that will also be true. And, you know, it's that kind of point about taking ownership and control of your career. And she was sort of saying, I've got that confidence in you. So you do whatever you think is best at the moment. There's sort of no bad decision. It's that point, I think, that I needed reminding of at that point that there isn't a right answer here. You know, if you're someone like me, I think at that point I was searching and seeking for a sort of a, tell me the right thing. Mm. I want I want a right answer. And very rarely is there a right answer. So also just trust in yourself that you will make the most of whatever comes your way. I love that. It's a very wise way to end this week's podcast. <laughs> and in our next episode, we're going to be talking about how to stop self-sabotaging at work which is a fascinating topic. And some of you might have read Emma Gannon's new book about self-sabotage. She's brilliant on this topic, so we'll definitely be borrowing some of her brilliance. And I think it's also something that we probably all do at some point in our jobs and in our careers. So a good thing to be aware of and figure out what to do differently. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you've got any feedback, let us know. You can always email us, Helen and Sarah at squigglycareers.com. And if you've enjoyed it and found it useful, as well as letting someone else know, we would love it if you could rate, review and subscribe the podcast because it helps us to find more people who might need some help with their squiggly careers. But thank you so much for listening now and we'll be back with you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.